G'day, Enablement Nation. This is Felix Krüger, your host. Do you know what time it is? No, it's not 10 days to Christmas. No, it's not the end of the quarter. It is time for another episode of Sales Enablement Live. Thank you so much for joining today. We have, as always, an action-packed agenda, but this agenda for today is particularly action-packed because it is the last episode of the year and there's quite a few things I want to cover with you today. Number one, we want to talk about the key insights of the latest interview published on the State of Sales Enablement podcast featuring best-selling author and Silicon Valley sales trainer Skip Miller. Was an awesome conversation. He's great at what he does. Uh, he's led a lot of famous tech brands to becoming one of the biggest names in Silicon Valley. So I'm really excited to talk about those insights with you. We'll take a look at Sales Enablement Analytics Report that's been just this week published by Sales Enablement Pro. I just wanted to take a look at that, share a few insights, and also share my thoughts on it. We'll talk about a few Sales Enablement news and... Of course, because this is the last episode of the year, we'll also talk about 2022 predictions for sales enablement. And then if we haven't run out of time by that stage, we'll also uh, cover a few questions that we've come across in the last week around sales enablement that have come up in conversations and that have been submitted via email. So yeah, let's dive right in. So the Skip Miller conversation was a really interesting one. If you haven't come across it, I would also really recommend his book, Outbounding. What he is really good at is talking about the, the kind of business acumen that is needed to talk to senior decision makers in organizations. And as we all know, it's almost become a meme at this stage. Sellers continue to have a feature-led pitch uh, sellers continue to uh, speak on an end user level. And I think there's an increasing awareness that you really need to be able to communicate with the PL owners and the, as Skip calls them, above the line buyers in order to effectively close a deal. And one of his key messages is that there's always two buyers involved the above the line buyer and the below the line buyer um, in a deal. The below the line buyer being the end users and the people that care. Um, more about the features um, of the product and the day-to-day -day reality of uh, operating using the product and the above-the-line users. Um, they're more the PL owners that care about strategic considerations, uh, how they can effectively manage change, how they can uh, minimize risk, how they can take advantage of revenue opportunities, how they can cut costs. So, And that's essentially the distinction that he makes. But let's take a listen to uh, into one of the uh, comments that he made in the episode about this topic. I am on a mission to destroy the term decision maker, because I think there's two. There's one that's below the line that's super important. And there's one above the line. And you can lose one battle, win the other, and still lose the deal. The biggest problem we see, Felix, is we get really good at prospecting to the below-the-line buyer. They want to talk about us, we want to talk about us, we all talk about us, and therefore it's great. So when we get a chance to go to the C-suite, our above-the-line buyers, we give them an executive overview of what we've been talking to the below-the-line buyer. And it's very different. I mean, the best analogy is I've got five brothers and sisters. And when we get together, there's like 50, 60 of us. There's a whole bunch of people. There's so many people. We have a kid table and an adult table. And the kids love it because they get to speak kid talk. And the adults love it because they don't have to speak kid talk. 
what we do is we master kid talk stuff and then when we get a chance to go to the adult table we give them an executive overview of what's happened at the kid talk the kid table and that's not good so messaging has got to change and really focus on the above the line buyer if you want to get through to them in an outbounding manner all right that's skip for you so I think the messaging is pretty clear. The, you cannot uh, possibly in sales take the same messaging that you take to the end to the above the line buyers that really don't care about the day to day operational um, reality of a certain department. And in his book, Skip also shares um, a few examples of the, those kind of conversations. Let's uh, take an AB testing software as an example. The End user might care about what can be done with this A-B testing software, but the above the line buyer really cares about how that impacts um, their PNL and what sort of problems can be fixed with that. And from a sales perspective, the conversation might go something like this. With a, a below the line buyer, you would talk about, okay, you can, uh, with this A-B testing software, you can figure out where to place the button what color of button to choose in order to increase the chance of a purchase to happen and so on. But all of this doesn't really matter to the above the line buyer. The above the line buyer needs different messaging, something along the lines of in your recent annual report, we saw that e-commerce revenue has been below expectations. We offer A-B testing software, which helps you to identify issues within your e-commerce funnel to increase revenue and reduce wastage within your e-commerce advertising budget. Something like that. So I think that sort of messaging, I think, can be done with a value messaging framework. I've talked about that a lot. I think this is one one of the most crucial exercises you should go to in order to allow sales teams to have those kind of conversations at scale. It's much harder to let them, as always, figure it out themselves, equipping them with a value messaging framework that is tailored towards different user groups. Uh, certainly allows sales, conversa- uh, sales people to be more effective in that sense. Yeah, let's uh, take another look at one more snippet from the from the Skip Miller episodes. I will open that up over here. Uh, so he actually talks about sales enablement and and why sales enablement is a no brainer. And I think this is literally the the most one of the most succinct pitches I've heard somebody who doesn't work in a sales enablement role has made. So let's let's listen in. You can have a process that maximizes the investment companies are making in their sales and marketing organization. That's 20, 30 points. I mean, if a company's 10 million, they're spending two, 20, 25 points on sales and marketing. And they're getting 50% forecast accuracy. Their sales cycles are twice as long as they need because they're only at the BTL level. They're not the ATL level. And there's no process. So you got everybody winging it. Why? We've got companies who have one or two sales enablement people, and we've got companies who have 40. And the ones who staff up well with good leadership, working arm-in-arm arm with the sales and marketing organizations, they're, they're on a rocket ship. I mean, and I can name those companies. I mean, that's Zoom, that's Stripe, that's Gaw. I mean, these companies are just rocket ship because they take enablement seriously. And it's serious because you're maximizing an investment being made. It's not like, you know, you're going to really put a, a system in place to make everybody work. No, you're maximizing the investment you're making. It's a, it's a pure numbers thing. So I think never has been a truer word spoken. I think this is the number one consideration for a lot of businesses that I also speak to. So my 
business mainly deals with businesses that either have a small sales enablement team or no sales enablement team at all. And when we typically lead sales conversations, the conversation always evolves around sales effectiveness and maximizing the investment that a company makes. And if you if you spend, like as Skip said, if you spend 20% of your annual revenue on sales and marketing and you increase your win rate just by a few percentage points, uh, suddenly you get such gr a much greater ROI out of, your, out of your investment that you make. So I think... Sales enablement at this stage is literally a no-brainer, and I think that's also re reflective in the, in the sort of numbers that we see in terms of the amount of sales enablement roles popping up left and center in the number of in the number of companies that are deeply committed to sales enablement, and also, of course, the uh, number of clients that we that we manage to engage with our business, which also want to get started with sales enablement and. Uh, increase the ROI of their business. So I think Skip Miller knows what he's talking about. He's he's grown amazing brands as a vendor, as a sales uh, training vendor, and uh, he's got deep insight into how those companies operate. And I think, yeah, what he says is, is really true and really a reflection of what's happening in the market. Now, that's it for the Skip Miller episode. So again, um, if you don't listen to the State of Sales Enablement podcast, I would highly recommend you tuning into that episode. There's a lot of um, insights great anecdotes and actionable advice included. Definitely one that you don't want to miss out on. Just as a heads up as well, so this is the last new episode we'll publish this year. And over the next three years, uh, three years, three weeks, we will republish some of the audience favorites um, of 2021, uh, which include uh, Roderick Jefferson, uh, Tamara Schenk, and also Joe Marone. And yeah, those will be published over the next uh, three weeks. If you haven't listened to those, I would highly recommend uh, you subscribe and uh, check them out over the Christmas holidays. Yeah. So next agenda item is the review of the sales enablement and analytics report for 2021. And this is a, a research report which was published by Sales Enablement Pro. And I just wanted to take a look at it and also share a few of my thoughts on the report in general and some of the insights contained. So I think the what this report really tackles is it really looks at what uh, sales enablers are measuring. But I'm actually not too sure about the notion of this report because it is an inter interesting FYI, but I don't think it should really matter too much to sales enablers what other people are doing, to be honest. If you are measuring your sales. The, what you measure as part of sales enablement uh, should always be informed by the business impact that senior management is attempting to create with sales enablement. What you measure should be a foregone conclusion from my point of view on that front. And I think this sort of report might be useful if you want to take it as an inspiration to proactively um, pitch certain initiatives and want to make sure that you include avenues to actually measuring the business impact of certain sales enablement initiatives um, and want to effectively communicate that to senior management. But it should not be something that you use to just blindly apply to what you're doing at the moment. Let's take a look at some of the insights. They're looking at the, the number of deals lost to the competition. I think this is something that uh, should definitely be done Possibly uh, through a win-loss analysis, so that's a great tool. I always recommend um, anybody to utilize that to actually really understand what the decision-making process 
looked like and what the what happened in the background during the decision making process. I think the the uplift in quota attainment isn't really that great here in the percentages, but I think either way, especially from a long term perspective, it's um, really important to g- gather that market data. I think quota the the measurement around um, deals lost to the competition should definitely be something that's included. Uh, something else that they um, mentioned here as well as average length of sales cycle, win rates, contract value or sell- selling price. Conversion rate by sales funnel stack, discounting percentage. I think all of those metrics are relevant. And again, it comes down to what your objectives are specified in the sales sales enablement charter, what the purpose of your department is and what sort of business metrics you want to impact. I think, yeah, I think that's the basis you should use to, to actually select those metrics. Something else that they mentioned here is the tracking of time to quota attainment. Again, like not a massive uplift here. I think I think the yeah the time to quota attainment. Okay, it's a interesting metric to measure, but the fact that you uh, hit your quota, I think, is more relevant than the actual time. Correct me if you got any other thoughts. As always, drop your comment in the chat. We They also look at the onboarding tools and the impact on a quota attainment and win rate. Again, not a massive difference here. Uh, quota attainment, 64% um, versus 67% uh, of people using the onboarding tools. For win rate, you have a uplift from 46% to 51%. Some of the other some of the other metrics that are being um, referred to here is the um, tracking of data for ongoing trading, and some of the data points that are referenced here is the number of training sessions delivered. Completely irrelevant, I think, in this metric because that's not a lot. That's an activity metric. It's great if you want to measure how busy you are, but it doesn't really measure the impact. Percentage of completed sessions, same here. Qualitative feedback on learning activities, yeah, okay, that can be used to refine certain things. Uh, number of participants, relevant. Competency improvement, that's more relevant. Behavior change, again, uh, relevant. Quote attainment, absolutely crucial metric. And yeah, so I think in that regard, all the consumption metrics, completely irrelevant. Literally nobody cares about that. You might um, use those metrics to refine your training sessions and the way you promote them maybe internally. But the as Adriana Romero mentioned on the State of Sales Enablement podcast, if you talk to the uh, chief revenue officer at the end of the year, he does not care how many, how many training sessions have been consumed, how many people attended and so on. So I think, again, being outcome-led and really measuring the impact um, of the sales reps performance um, is really crucial here. And then, of course, the the reinforcement, as always, should happen through the coaching setup. Cool. I, I, won't, I won't go through too many more metrics here that they've measured. I think it's an interesting report to look at to understand where most sales enablement organizations are at. But I think, generally speaking, again, the greatest starting point is uh, to actually look at the business metrics that you want to impact through your sales enablement initiatives what sort of issues you're attempting to fix in the sales process, what sort of metrics you use as an indicator for that being achieved. I think that should be the starting point for any sales enabler. And it really literally does not matter what other people are doing. All right, so let's uh, take a look, look at the next agenda item, sales enablement news. All right, so I think there's just a couple of items that I want to mention. I think there's a really interesting startup, Connect the Dots, 
that allows you to uh, build a, a social graph um, of your connections and considers lots of different data sources. If you think about LinkedIn and your network, you might have a good idea of what your network looks like and um, who you're connected with and what sort of relationships you have with those uh, people. But it is very hard to actually make that tangible. This kind of information typically is something that you have on your mind, uh, something that you feel and it's rather intuitive if you're lucky or if your organization is really structured and disciplined in the way they maintain the CRM, there might be fields that actually capture the relationship status and the relationship strength with certain reps. But Connected Dots is actually a startup that visualizes your connection and utilizes data from social media and also your email. And I think this this sort of company is really has the potential to have a big impact if you are looking to um, do your account planning and define your strategy to to prospect um, to a certain account. And yeah, I think this is this is really a startup to look out um, for. They just closed a 15 million US dollars Series A funding. Yeah, I expect uh, great things to happen for that business. Something to look out for. The other news I wanted to share is uh, that, especially for Australian listeners, COVID-19 numbers seem to skyrocket. So I think we had, again, over a thousand uh, new cases today. It might sound small to listeners from other countries, but in Australia, it's actually quite high. And typically, reason enough to consider another lockdown by the government. So this is news just because it will probably stress test the uh, remote selling setup for a lot of sales organizations again. So it's something to look out for possibly before Christmas. I hope not because I've got a holiday outside of outside of Sydney planned, but we'll see. Another lockdown might be around the corner. Now, also an in internal news. So my business, Kruger Marketing, is going to relaunch. We do very little that could be considered marketing services uh, these days. So we, we do have content creation capabilities that we, that we use in collaboration with our clients, but we will relaunch as a pure play sales enablement service provider in the news. So there'll be lots of announcements happening in January. We'll rename, we'll rebrand, and uh, we will essentially be a sales enablement consultancy with an attached content and web development studio, which um, also feeds into sales enablement initiatives. So uh, we've got a few launch partners already, great names that I'm really proud of working with. And we'll make those announcements in the new year. If you're keen to learn more and get a sneak peek, reach out to me and I'll be happy to run you through our plans and what we can potentially offer to your business. Now, in terms of 2022 predictions, this is always a tricky one to make. I'm not a big friend of making absolute statements. So essentially calling out um, things that will happened in a, at a certain moment in time during 2022. But I would like to call out a few developments that I expect to see. And following up on the on the sales enablement analytics uh, report that we mentioned earlier, I think something that I see more and that I also expect to see more of is uh, sales enablement moving away from activity-based metrics and really focusing on business metrics. And I think um, this is something that's related to sales in general and sales becoming more and more savvy and actually uh, talking to these um, above-the-line buyers, as Skip Miller calls them, that we called out earlier. And I think sales enablement will 
um, also gain that skill to essentially do the cell internally, get that flywheel spinning in the right direction internally of being more strategic with a goal to impact business metrics, increasing sales effectiveness, getting more attention by senior management, increasing budgets, and then again, having more resources to act more strategically and so on. So I think that focus on business metrics uh, will be absolutely crucial for sales enablement as a profession in general to gain more traction and to be more successful and really creating an impact for their business. So I expect more to happen on that front. The next one, AI brands. And wow, I can tell you what I've seen in the last couple of months in terms of AI uh, really blows my mind. And I've been really closely following AI as a technology for years and have be, really been investigating in my previous startup where I was the chief product officer, also looking at developing products along those lines. What I see recently in AI is really mind-blowing. So just to give you a couple of examples, there's a startup called Second Nature. So what they do is essentially provide sales coaching at scale. And uh, they have an, an AI algorithm that can be trained to test salespeople in regards to certain skills. And the way it works is essentially the AI literally talks to the salesperson through the interface and the salesperson can just uh, use natural language without having to type anything. They just answer those questions and the AI recognizes in, in real time whether certain key points have been mentioned by answering the question, provide suggestions for improvement and so on. So really mind-blowing stuff, especially for organizations that want to tackle sales coaching at scale. And I know they signed on uh, a Zoom globally to train their and coach their sales team. So I think you will hear more about that startup soon. Another technology that I've come across, which was really mind-blowing, is a company called Synthesize. And what they do is essentially they create AI-generated videos that translate what you type in text into a presenter talking to the camera. Especially if you think about creating training materials and possibly also customer support content, buyer enablement content, that sort of technology could allow you to significantly reduce production costs. And the interesting part about that as well, which is a bit creepy from my point of view, but it is possible you can actually create a AI avatar of yourself by uploading video footage of yourself. So that means you talk into the camera for an extended period of time and uh, you upload that footage to the system, then generate an AI avatar of yourself. And you can then upload a sound file of you talking to a microphone. And then um, it actually converts it into the avatar actually speaking those words in your voice. So that's really mind-blowing stuff. I think there will be more and more coming up. And my prediction is not necessarily surrounding AI having a certain status or playing a certain role in sales enablement, but I do expect at least two more brands to emerge that will be as commonly mentioned as Gong at the moment. So Gong um, is a poster child of AI applications currently in sales. And I expect at least two more brands along those lines to emerge in 2022. The other thing I also wanted to call out is that I think vendors will be forced to really get their act sorted when it comes to customer support or customer success. And I just had a conversation a couple of hours ago with somebody in my network who works in digital adoption. And I think some of the things that she mentioned around customer success and 
the kind of lack of support that some vendors offer, I think is really shocking. And when we talk about revenue enablement, a lot of times people think, okay, we equip customer success with the tools that they need to upsell customers. I think that is great, but my prediction for 2022 is that a lot of technology vendors will actually be forced to do their homework first and um, actually offer customer success to actually uh, deliver the results that were promised in the sales process. And the person that I referenced earlier that I spoke to mentioned some instances where uh, literally nobody in the business knew uh, for what purpose a certain vendor was uh, being used and why the technology was bought, and that it had to do investigation with people that already had left the business uh, because nobody on the vendor side could actually tell them why this technology was bought by the company. And that to me is really mind blowing. And I think if we talk about sales being more of a uh, consulting role and a solver of business problems, I think customer success needs to do the exact same thing. Sales creates the vision and communicates the change that can be achieved um, by purchasing a certain product. I think customer success's role is increasingly to actually make that vision happen and consult the clients through the process of actually getting there. And it's not a question of explaining um, this uh, a certain filter or this is what this button does. I think that sort of information is absolutely redundant if your user interface is created with the user in mind. Like most of these uh, things should be self-explanatory or should be available on a resource on your website. But I think the real art and customer success these days is actually managing that change and guiding through that change. And I think... From a sales enablement point of view or revenue enablement point of view, if you think about equipping sellers with business acumen and um, the knowledge required to really empathize with buyers, customer success needs to follow this sort of approach and really understand those things even more so than sales because they will be tasked in actually implementing those initiatives. And I think this will probably change the profile of customer success uh, managers and I think we will see a change happening um, there in 2022 as well. The other prediction that I also make for 2022 is that on that basis, there will be new players emerging that we didn't um, expect to emerge in the sales tech space. There's a bit of a gold rush happening at the moment and a hype around the arms race that is sales technology, I think that will cool down in the next year and buyers will more and more focus on those sales tech vendors that truly add value. And um, when we talk about actually arriving at your goal and those companies that are really nailing the implementation of those initiatives to really impact on business results will definitely have an advantage in that sense. Yeah, lots of uh, changes happening on the sales tech front from my point of view. Now, I know we're already over time, but I also want to answer a couple of questions that I've come across during the week in talking to the sales enablement community. And one of the questions was, as I'm relatively early and new to the profession, I would be keen to hear about the role of enablement in scale-ups and startups where there may be less uh, process or definition around the role. Yeah, One of the podcast episodes that I can really recommend on that front is the interview with uh, Hendrik Isabet, who is the uh, chief operating officer of Showpad. And uh, he talks about the different flavors of sales enablement in that sense a lot in that interview. So I definitely recommend listening into that. And what he essentially said along those lines was that there's currently kind of two scenarios for sales enablement that he sees in market. 
And number one is the enablement in large organizations, in which scenario it is more about the alignment of resources and essentially aligning stakeholders in order to provide focused support to sales. So it's more of a, a stakeholder alignment exercise. And from a startup and scale-up perspective, sales enablement is more about preparing for growth and establishing processes and the structures required to really effectively grow a sales organization. Yeah, If you uh, double your sales team within a year or in some cases even triple or quadruple, um, you don't have the luxury of time. And um, by that point, it's typically too late to figure things out. So in that scenario, especially if a new funding round has been closed, it is really important to really quickly um, put the structures in place from a sales enablement point of view. So I think those are the key differences that that Hendrik mentioned in our interview and that I also see in markets. And the other question was also, I'm also rolling out uh, some initiatives internally to help the team become more consultative and strategic partnership focused as the literature seems to indicate that most buyers don't see their sellers as knowing about the industry so how do we meaningfully start changing that and again that comes comes down to the topic that we mentioned a few times in this episode already i think there's a couple of things to that there's um, industry knowledge and also business acumen and i think Industry knowledge, both is something that you can teach. Buyer business acumen is probably something that uh, you do once and then just offer the on-demand resources to refresh on uh, on a regular basis. Just really understanding what the CEO, uh, what the CMO, what the CIO, what the CFO care about, like what sort of uh, business metrics they care about and um, also how you do research and market in order to understand what certain businesses are dealing with and how that reflects on those different senior leaders. I think that that's the business acumen side. And then when it comes down to the industry trends, this is something that should be done on a regular basis. And certainly from my point of view, that's something that we work um, a lot um, with our clients on, is a recurring project, which essentially identifies on a regular basis based on key industry news sources, but also market intelligence gathered um, through buyer conversations and win-loss analysis to actually identify the key issues that are on the agenda of buyers based on the industry trends, which puts you in a position to be more uh, empathetic towards your buyers and to actually understand what they're dealing with, but also for those buyers who may not be aware of certain trends, suddenly that puts you in a leadership position and sales can share those news, which or which can share those trends, which automatically puts them in a position of being a teacher and a consultant um, to those buyers. So that's, I think, the, the industry trend understanding is something that's massively underutilized and often just a Google search away and something that can be a, a quite powerful uh, tool for a lot of sales organizations. All right, we're already six minutes over and I just want to thank everybody uh, for the support in 2021. I'm truly humbled by the uh, amount of listeners we've been able to gain through the podcast and the um, engagement of the sales enablement community with myself through those live streams that we're running, but also by listening to podcasts, by networking, and by uh, sending me direct messages on LinkedIn to start a conversation. Thanks a lot for your support. As I said, we have big things planned for 2022. We're relaunching the business 
Um, we're also expanding our network of consultants that um, we work with on projects. So if you are a consultant in the sales space, it might be worth us chatting if you want to become uh, part of our network. And yeah, as always, I would encourage you to subscribe to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great end to 2021 and an even better start to 2022. Bye-bye.